Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Again and again and again and again and again. When it hurts, I run again. When I'm failing, I run again. When I feel I'm falling out of grace, I run again. When I'm confused, I run to him again and again and again. Amen. You cannot stop, man. You cannot stop. You cannot give up, man. You cannot quit, amen? Because I'm telling you what, right now, right now, I don't know where you're at in life, but I know this, that life is filled with valleys constantly trying us to, to get us to just give up on God, amen? It just is, man. We know this. But I also know that life is also just, just filled with opportunities, Opportunities you know, for, for mountaintops, all right? Opportunities to experience God in life-changing ways. And the reality is that those mountaintops are made to get us through these valleys, amen? amen. Because life is lived in the valley. And because of that, we need to run back again, again and again. And again. And again, somebody took my stool, man. Where'd that little stool go, brother? I need that puppy. All right. Praise the Lord, amen? Thank you so much for your patience and your prayers, man. I'm all over the I got a knee replacement uh, day before yesterday. And nah, not even like that, man. Uh, a few weeks ago, and so I'm trying to set up a little shop right here. All right, I got this little, you know, cold stroll stick right here, maybe just in case it gets a little crazy, but we're going to try this out. I don't know how this is going to work for me. Um, <laughs> he's like, can't stay still, amen? Praise the Lord. Yeah. All right, on, right? And so, yeah, we, we all go back again, man, and, and we're, we're looking for another mountaintop because we know we're surrounded by valleys. We just know this. I was thinking, man, uh, you know, a while back, I'm, I'm driving up the highway here, and it was about 1.30 in the morning. I'm coming from the hospital. There was this big old scene going on there, all right, and God was doing some crazy cool stuff in the hospital, and uh, 1.30 in the morning, I'm on my way home, man, and you know our town. 1.30 in the morning, there's not a lot really happening except for you guys, because you guys are freaks. Anyways, right? And so uh, cruising by, man, and the only thing I can think of, I'm so spent, all I can think of is, is I got a bowl of, I got a brand new box of Lucky Charms at the house that I just can't wait to open up because they put all the marshmallows on top, all right? And I just can't wait to get that part, all right? And I'm, so I'm cruising, man, I'm just spent, can't even think. And as I'm cruising up the road on this side, I see a man walking and his little boy, and they got pillows and blankets and and they got suitcases and stuff. And it's 1.30 in the morning. I'm like, I got to pull over and see what's up here, right? And I pull over, man. I tell the dude, hey, man, you all right? And the guy says, no. No, I'm not all right. I don't even know where I'm at, he says. All I know is I got to get to Holbrook and catch a bus back home to Casa Grande. And I'm like, bro, you are a long way from Holbrook walking with a little boy in his pajamas. So what happened, bro? He says, man, I came up here for this mountaintop experience with a Christian men's group. And we were in this retreat and things just went crazy and everybody started just arguing and it started getting nuts. And I just got my little boy out of there and left. Because I came up in a van, you know what I mean? And I didn't bring no money because everything was supplied because I'm just, this is all we got. And I was like, dang, it's like 1.30, bro. 
I just said, good luck, bro. And I just took off, right? And so, <laughs> right? And so, no, nah, man, I said, bro, you know what it is? 1.30 in the morning, dude. I go, Holbrook, I go, this is, that's a cold walk, bro, and you ain't going to get there. You just ain't going to happen. I go, why don't you? I, said, I serve uh, alongside a wonderful group of generous men and women of Christ, right? And uh, why don't you let us get you a hotel room for you and your boy? And we'll figure things out in the morning. And he said, you know, that would be really cool. And so he got in the truck, right? And uh, I'm looking at him, man, and he's just like, he's just feeling defeated. His little boy's in the back. And I said, bro, man, God has not given up on you. He has not given up on you. And he goes, yeah, well, you know what? I've given up on God. He says, you know what? I'm actually, I'm done with him. I'm like, dude, God's the only reason you're in this truck. <laughs> you know what I mean? I said, I got a bowl of Lucky Charms at the house that looks way better than you right now, man. You know what I mean? All right, so we get to the room, man. We get to the room, right? And, and I'm like, bro, we get him a room. Get him all settled in. I'm getting ready to split. I said, dude, can I pray with you, man? He says, all right, yeah. And he just starts bawling. And I'm looking, man, this dude's broken, man. He's got his kid here. He's at his wits. I mean, he got your little boy with you in the middle of the night. And this scene is just taking place. And he's got, he's like hurting. I know he's hurting for himself. He's also hurting for his kid. And he tells me, man, he had three kids. He lost his oldest son. He's got two of his younger boys left. And he's trying to, you know, bond with his boy here, man, because he says, you know, and he's feeling powerless. He's waiting on his wife and his mom to send him money to get a ticket back to Casa Grande for on, on the bus from, you know, and he felt let down by the church. And he's like, where's Jesus? And we prayed, man, and I went home. And next day I got up and I'm thinking, you know what, you know, uh, we gotta get busy. Guy, I know you, you wanna help this guy out. And so we just gotta know how you want us to help. And it was crazy because he calls me before I actually even went over there to go check on him. And he calls me, and I'm talking to a whole different guy. I'm talking to a whole different guy, man. He, he's just happy. He, he's, he's joyful in his, in his, in his, in his, in his voice. And, and, I'm, and he's, I'm like, what's up, bro? He goes, man, I just want to say thank you so much. He goes, God made a huge difference in my life last night. He said, God made a huge difference in my life last night. Check this out. This is pretty cool. He said, I, I had given up on my role as a father. I'd given up on my role as a spiritual leader in my home, all right? And I've, I've just been checking out, and I've let my wife just take over on everything, and I even checked out on her. He says, you know, he says, my wife is the one who talked me into coming to this men's retreat, this Christian men's retreat. She said she was telling me that maybe, maybe something's going to happen on this mountaintop. These are mountaintop experiences, man. And you know what? Maybe something's going to happen. God's going to reach you. And he, she, he said, I was totally against it. I didn't want to come. He said, you know what? But and last night, what happened at the, the thing, he goes, I, I was actually, I knew why I didn't want to come. He says, but this morning, God got a hold of me. He said, I was praying, and he goes, I started praying. I called my mom, you know, about getting that ticket. And she says, you know what? He goes, right before you picked me up, he goes, last night, he goes, I was actually on the phone with my mom telling her what's up. I talked to her this morning. She said, when she hung up the phone, that she started praying that God would send help. That God would send help. Right there. He says, immediately, you pulled up. And he thought, he says, I thought, he literally looked at you, me, and he says, I thought you were going to try to rob me. And I was like... <laughs> That was, that was back then, bro, not, not today. 
You know what I mean? And, and he said, well, you know, he said, what were the chances that a pastor or even a Christian would roll up driving up in this town this late at night? I mean, even the guys from the men's group weren't even coming after him. And the little boy. He said, what are the chances? He said, I don't know how to thank you. And I had to tell him, man, you don't thank me. You praise the Lord. You praise Jesus. You go home, man, and you take this mountain with you. You go and resume your role as a father, as a husband, all right, as a dad. You go and you go and you resume this. Your role as a spiritual leader in your home, man, and, and you go and love your boys again and again and again and again, right? And you, you know they need to know about Jesus, and you need to be the one that tells them about Jesus and the one that shows them Jesus. You need to go home, man. You need to love your wife. You need to honor your wife and you need to serve your wife. Take this mountain with you and bless your valley for the glory of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Right? Dude said, why are you yelling at me? I said, because it's exciting. <laughs> he said, this is what I'm going to do. This is what he said. This is exactly. And I wrote this down. because He said, this. He said, this is what I'm going to do. He goes, today is a new day and I am a new man for his glory. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. We got so excited, I totally forgot to take him to Holbrook. I don't know what happened to him, actually. But what's really cool is he's here right now. Hey, bro, stand up. Just kidding, just kidding. Anyways, yeah. Nah, yeah. Anyways, one of these times I'm really going to bring somebody in here and you guys are going, no, he's not. I'm like, yeah, he's totally here, man. Yeah, right? Anyways, man, like I said, man, you know, life is... This feel, I mean, we live in the valley, man, where we need these mountaintops. And you're like, what is the mountaintop? And, and, and let me just explain it this way. Mountaintops are, are, are those moments that we experience undistracted closeness to God. Those moments of clarity when we're in, when we know that we're in the presence of God. There's those times that we just don't want to leave. Some of you were on a, a women's retreat, man, and that was a mountaintop experience. I heard a lot of great things about that. So awesome, man. Praise the Lord. But let me remind you, we have to come back to the valley. We're always needing to come back to the valley. Let me put it this way. You may see, and I'll put this up there, you may see and experience God's glory on the mountaintop, but it's in the valley where he is glorified. Amen? You may see and experience the glory of God on the mountaintop and that undistracted closeness and that and you're right there with him, all right? But it's but it but it's in the valley where he is glorified. Last week's sermon, all right, Pastor Justin shared this mountaintop experience. And in my opinion, last week's sermon and service was a mountaintop experience. All right. And you know, but he shared that this experience, but but you need to come down from the mountain, all right, because we're surrounded by valleys. Even if you're on one mountain and you want to go to this other mountain, you still have to come through a valley to get to that mountain. Amen. Because mountains, I mean, valleys are just unavoidable. And so let's catch up to our story in Luke chapter 9, verse 37. If you have a Bible with you, open up your Bible, open up your app. We're going to put this verses up on the screen here, man. But let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We give you all the glory. And all the honor, Lord God. And we're just so thankful, Lord God, for just uh, 
Man, just be able to come right here and say, Heavenly Father, we praise you. Just to be able to do that, like with no irony, just to honestly, genuinely worship you from the center of our heart with our whole soul and being, to be able to worship you and honor you and know that you love us. That's so amazing. We just want to give you praise. And thank you, Jesus, for your glory. Amen. Amen. And so, I don't know if you were here last week. If you were not, please go online, tcaz.us. Find last week's sermon and listen to it. It is amazing. Actually, the past three weeks, all the sermons have been amazing. So awesome to know that God is working in everybody and that this church is not just dependent on one person. Amen? Well, actually, it is. Praise the Lord, all right? But no no broken knuckleheads, all right? So praise the Lord. Anyways, Luke chapter 9, verse 37, and on the next day. So now we know what the next day means. It's that next day, all right? And it says, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met them. As much as we love the mountaintop, right, we got to come down because, like I said, life is lived in the valley. So here they come down, this huge experience, the glory of the Lord. They saw Jesus in his glory. They saw Moses. Wait, I thought you were dead, dude. They saw Elijah. I heard you were taken away the Lord. They saw all this crazy stuff, and they didn't want to leave. They wanted to stay there, right? Remember, he said, well, build some tents. It's going to be awesome. All right. They didn't want to leave, but they had, they had to come down because life is lived in the valley. And when they came down in the valley, they were met by a huge crowd. I remember when I was a youth pastor, well, yearly we'd go to camp and that, that was our big mountaintop experience for our youth ministry. We'd go to camp, man, and, and, we, and we had this huge camp experience, one week long at camp, and there'd be all these other youth groups and all these different people, man, that were just sold out for Christ. And everybody was there for the main purpose of getting closer to Jesus. And every time, and never failed, every year, there'd be kids there just like saying, you know what? We don't want to go back. We want to stay right here. Does sound familiar? See, for a lot of you, this weekend service is your weekly mountaintop experience. It's where we, we sing and we worship together as a, as a family and as a body of Christ. And, and we experience, you know, this closeness to God. And I remember telling the youth, man, when we were coming home, I said, check this out. One day, uh, my, wife, when we, my wife and I, when we lived down in Tucson, my family, we went on a family vacation. We had, the, we had this house. We had a built-in pool, all right? And I've never had a built-in pool. Kind of knew how to take care of it, all right? Didn't think about what I needed to do while we were gone. We were gone for a week, came back. The whole pool was black, right? Completely black. I was like, whoa, this is gnarly. I thought, I'm going to have to empty all this water out and put new water in. And somebody you know, came along and says, no, nah, man, you know what, what you need to do? You just, there's some chemicals and just a little bit of thing you just need to do. And you'll watch within about a week, week and a half, you'll see it clear up. And I was like, there's no way because I can't even see the bottom. And I started putting a little bit of clear chemicals, a little bit here and there. Sure enough, after about a week, it started to clear up. And in about, within about two weeks, completely clear, crystal clear water. And I was challenging our youth, and I'll challenge you when you have these mountaintop experiences, all right? And we know that, you know, I don't know if I want to leave here. I don't know if I want to go away. I don't know if I want to leave the presence of God. You're not leaving the presence of God. You're supposed to take the mountain with you. And I would challenge my youth, man, okay, here's the questions are, all right? You know, how are you going to be ready to use God to clear the water, for God to use you to clear the water? How will you allow yourself to be ready for God to use you to clear the water? Because it's pretty murky out there. How will you take the sight and the spiritual muscles that you have developed on this mountain to show Jesus, all right, to the world that is around you? Or will you just blend in with the rest of the crowd? 
So on the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met them. And they were immediately recognized they were no longer on the mountain. What's crazy is the only one that brought the mountain with them was Jesus. He says, look, and behold, a man from the crowd cried out, teacher, I beg you, look at my son, for he's my only child. And behold, a spirit seizes him, and he suddenly cries out, and it convulses him so that he foams at the mouth. It shatters him and will hardly leave him. It's physically destroying my boy. There was a father that was broken, and he was at a loss. He didn't know what to do, and he was given up. He says, I begged your disciples to cast it out, and they couldn't do it. Nothing was happening. He was giving up on, 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 the, on, on, on just life, on the church, on God. And he's like, man, this is my last hope. What do you got? And I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, well, why couldn't the disciples cast it out? And I think maybe because they left the mountain. Maybe because they never, well, they have, it's been a while since they approached the mountain. Maybe they're trying to get the physical you know, done before the spiritual. Here's what I know, and this is going to get a little hazy, but I'm going to clear it up in a minute here. The physical cannot lead the spiritual, all right? The physical cannot lead the spiritual. The spiritual must lead the physical. It's crazy how many times that we know that the spiritual, that everything is spiritual but yet we live in a way that doesn't practice like that. We think that everything requires our physical, you know, our, our self-sufficiency and our, and our work. We do this when we have prayer requests that we ask people to pray for us, but we don't really trust anything is going to happen. How many of us, are, let me put it this way, I put this question up there. How many of us are guilty of trying to lead or manipulate the spiritual world with our physical abilities? Think about this. How many of us think we just need to pray harder? How many think that we just need to read more scripture? That I just need to fast more? I need to give more? I need to talk more about Jesus so that God will work miracles through me? These are all very, very good practices, but they were never intended to be a recipe for us to get our own spiritual way in the world. In fact, there are, those practices are meant to lead us closer to God, Period closer to the heart of God, period, so that we can see him and then join him in what he's already doing because it's way better. That's what mountaintops we've got are for. Check this out. On the mountain, if we're paying proper attention, we'll gain the spiritual eyes and spiritual muscles that we need to see like God sees, and work and live fully alive in the valley. Let me just kind of leave that there for a minute. When we come to these experiences with God, and when we experience this closeness with God, when we allow uh, the distractions to just be stripped away, when we sing in a manner that just really, we really believe that this is reaching the Lord Almighty, when we pray in a way that it just says, you know what, I just want to be with you, man. I just want to be with you. I have this list of stuff that I would love to happen, but you know what? Number one, you know what I mean? Over that whole list, I just want to be closer to you. Amen. When, when, when we are on that mountaintop, and if we're paying proper attention, we're going to be able to gain those spiritual eyes to see things that are normally invisible to us because we're surrounded by all the distractions of the valley. And we're able to gain the spiritual muscles 
that we're going to need to see the work that God is doing and join him in that work. And then we live fully, fully alive in the valley. I went up to uh, Porter Mountain to pray, and it's a great place to go and pray. Uh, you can see it's also a place that people think is a really great place to go and party. There's all kinds of stuff. People have just been, they don't even care. We need a trash cans or something up there. But anyways, I'm up there, man, I'm, I'm just praying. And I went up there on a very, very windy day, kind of like today. Actually, it was even more windy than today or even yesterday. It was just really, really violently windy day. And I went up there, man, and it was crazy because you're up there and all the trees around you are just moving and just going crazy. And you're just recognizing, man, none of us are really in control of any of this. You know what I mean? <laughs> this thing can spin out of control at any moment. All you got to do is say the word, man. And you just, everything you thought you accomplished and have set in stone poof, falls apart. It, just, it don't matter. I just realized how big and mighty he is. And I was just giving him praise for that and glory, glorifying him while I was up there praying. But then I looked down on the timber mesa and it looked like none of those trees were moving. It looked like just the mountain was just moving. And I was looking down in that little valley area and nothing was moving. And I was like, what in the world's going on here? But I had to, what I had to do is actually had to focus. And so I just pick out a little clump of trees and just stare at that and recognize, wait a second, they're all over the place. And these ones are all over the place. It's all moving. And it just kind of, it just helped me recognize that, you know what? I wasn't really focusing on his power away from me. I was only focusing on his power around me. I was focusing on the absence of his power away from me. And if, all of, if I focus on the absence of his power, I will not see his power, but I will realize, you know what I mean? I mean, I will not see it. But when I realize that, you know what, when I take time to focus and recognize, wait a second, it isn't all about me. It's all about him. And you know what? He ain't just moving where I'm at. He's moving. He's not just moving on the mountain. He's actually moving in the valley. And as I started to focus on his movement in the valley, then it started to remind me, I need to connect with him in the valley and not just on the mountain. Amen? Amen. This requires trust and it requires action when we get into the valley. You see, personally, I like to shoot for a mountaintop every morning. I like to find that space undistracted where I can get closer and closer and closer to God. And when that happens, I recognize a very, very important thing. I realize that seeing the mountain is not good enough. Even experiencing that mountain is not good enough. Because like I said before, you may see and experience God's glory on the mountaintop, but it's in the valley where he is glorified. Anyways, this father says, in the valley, surrounded by the crowd, he said, nothing's happening with my kid. And Jesus has this crazy answer. It's pretty insane. He says in verse 41, Jesus answered, he says, oh, I don't know if I want Jesus talking about me like this. All right, he says, oh, faith, faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you and to bear with you? He said, bring your son over here. Now, if I try to imagine the scene, here's Jesus and a couple of the boys coming down from this mountain. Here's the rest of his disciples trying to cast out this demon. Come over here, hold hands. 
I don't know. Try something. Lift the leg. I don't know. Do something. All right. They're trying to lead the spiritual through the physical, and it's just not happening. And, when, and I'll tell you right now, a lot of talk goes back and forth. Who is Jesus actually talking to? There's a crowd, and in some of the other gospels, you see there's also some Pharisees. You'll see that there's this father going through this junk, his disciples, the boy that were with, boys that were with him on the, on, the, on the mountaintop, and all this back and forth talk. It's like, who is Jesus talking to? You know, personally, I'm a little more concerned with what he said than who he said it to. I'm not going to go back and forth, man. We can make a case. Oh, he's talking to the dad. Oh, he's talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to the disciples. We can make cases, cases, cases. But you know what? Unless I, I, I'd rather, you know, I'd be more concerned with what he said rather than who he said it to. Because I do know this, and I'll put this up there. If we claim faith in Christ, all right, but don't trust Christ, or if we try to express that faith without Christ, then Jesus would have the same words for me too. Think about it like that. Leave that quote up there, because he said this, oh, faithless, twisted generation, how long am I going to be with you? Remember the scene, they're trying to cast out this demon, nothing's happening. Jesus comes down, and he's like, what the heck? And what it just revealed to me, when he says the word faithless, when he says the word twisted, it's like these people, I mean, he has disciples claiming Christ. He has Pharisees claiming God. He has a crowd just going back and forth, wishy-washy. They wouldn't be there if they weren't pursuing any, some type of faith. And he said, and I, I just know this, again, who he said it to really doesn't matter to me. More to, matters to me. This is just me. Maybe it matters more to you, and I'm not saying it shouldn't. I just know this, that if I claim faith in God, but don't trust God, or if I try to express that faith without God, then Jesus is going to have the same words for me. You understand? Uh, I got to remind you, remember I, was, remember I was telling you, I was talking to that brother from Uganda, and still, it's crazy, he sent me some pictures, he, I gave him a church shirt, he goes, the church is in Uganda, he's got pictures of him with the church shirt and his, the kids from Uganda, it's pretty cool, anyways, when I was talking to him, man, I was asking, you know, we were talking about faith in America and faith over there, and the differences, and he goes, you know what, I'm just going to put it bluntly, man, I, I don't know how much that the church here in America needs faith. So what do you mean? Because you guys are really self-sufficient. You can pretty much get anything you want without God. Because when I go back home, our church meets under, we, we have churches that meet under trees. And the people there, they're not paying, praying, they're not, they're not you know, I'm not saying that any of these prayers are bad, but they're not paying for, praying for you know, that, that raise or that new vehicle or should we get that house. They're praying, can we get some food today? They're praying, can we get some water today? They're praying, can we not die today? Because there's this huge rebellion group that's just north of Uganda that's constantly, and you've probably seen the news and heard about that. And he says, and yet they're praising God in joy. And they're praying in just delightful expectation. And I would think that Jesus does not have these words for that group of people. I'm more concerned with what he said than who he said it to. I mean, we, we walk away from our mountains, man, and we create our own little hills in the valleys that have really nothing to do with God. We just put his name on it. I think we need to be really, really careful with that. 
In Mark, it kind of gives us a little more insight. The book of Mark, telling the same story in Mark chapter nine, he says this, but when he brought the, you know, he was talking to Jesus about his kid. He says, he's often cast him into the fire, into the water to destroy him. But, and he says, but if you can do anything, that's probably the last person you want to actually say that phrase to. Hey, God, if you can do anything, you know what I mean? I don't know if that's a good phrase for God. He says, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus says, if, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Believes what? The promises of God, which are, what are the promises of God? Would you like me to tell you all the promises of God? I'm not going to do it. Read your Bible. <laughs> Find them. Praise the Lord. But I love this prayer. It's one of my favorite prayers in the scriptures. In verse 24, immediately, father of the child cried out. And he says, I, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there? I believe, man, help my unbelief. I've got this tiny bit of belief. That's the only reason I'm even here today, all right? I have this tiny little belief, and I'm barely holding on, but I have this huge mountain of unbelief. I have this, this, this giant mountain of unbelief. Can you help me trade mountains? Because I've been walking on a mountain of unbelief that is in this deep valley of despair, of hurt, of disappointment, of confusion. Can you help me trade mountains? I think that many of us, this life in Christ is a, lot, a life of mountain trading. I believe it helped my unbelief. Let me ask you this question, man. What, what fuels your belief most? Think about it right now. What, what fuels your belief most? What do you need to see, hear, experience, or understand that actually fuels your belief even more? And then what feeds your unbelief? What is happening around you or, or in your life or, 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 or to you that, that just feeds your unbelief? And then the big question is, what do you nourish most? Because that'll tell you, all right? If I'm feeding my unbelief over and daily and constantly, and I think I can come to church for just one hour a week or maybe a month, depending on what the deal is, all right? And think that I can just grow this mountain of belief, you're tragically wrong. If I'm feeding, you know, whatever you feed is what it's going to grow. Whatever you feed is what is going to gain strength. Whatever you feed the most is what's going to win. What are you feeding more? Verse 42 says, while he was coming, the demon threw him to the ground and convulsed him. And we can see something like that and we can all of a sudden just lose all faith, lose all belief. Like that guy walking down the street with his boy, holding his pillow and his boys in his pajamas and feeling completely let down by the church. It's feeding more and more that unbelief, that unbelief, that unbelief. I'm done with God is what he said, remember? 
waiting for someone like you or me, not even knowing, to show him that God is not done with him. This man at any moment could have said, you know what, I'm done with all this. But Jesus showed him, I'm not done with you. I'm not done with you. So while he was coming, the demon threw him on the ground and convulsed him, but Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy and gave him back to his father. Another account, I don't know if it's Matthew or, or Mark, this is, the disciples asked Jesus, why can we do this? Because this requires total dependence on God. To be disappointed in yourself means that you've just been trusting in yourself. And not God. God has not given up on you. I don't know how deep your valley has gotten. Or I don't know how high your mountaintop is right now. But if you're in that valley, recognize God has not given up on you. And if you're on that mountaintop, he is wanting to use you for those who are in those valleys. Again, tragically mistaken if you think these mountaintops are just for you. Hashtag blessed, right? <laughs> yeah. So great to be a Christian today. But there's more, and there's so much more. It says, All were astonished at the majesty of God. And while they marveled at, the, at everything he was doing, Jesus said to his disciples, he was, as, they, as they marveled and everybody was just like wowed at what just took place, Jesus started to share, well, there's a greater reality, a much greater reality. And look at verse 44. He says, let these words sink into your ears. When you hear Jesus say something like that, you recognize he is saying, look, I got something really, really, even way more important to tell you. This is all really good and awesome and yeah, healings and well, there's no healing over here, but there's healing over here, no healing here, there's healing over there. It's all, it's all, it's all good and, and different you know, testimonies of just amazingness taking place. But there's something even way more important that this is all pointing to anyways. He says, uh, the son of man is about to be delivered in the hands of men. And in Mark, again, he gives us a little more clarity around that statement. Look what he says in verse 31 of Mark. He says, for he's teaching his disciples, saying to them, the son of man is going to be delivered in the hands of men and they'll kill him. And when he is killed after three days, he's going to rise. He says, yeah, all this stuff, really, really cool. But this is the highest mountain that this world is ever gonna see. Right here. This is the testimony for life, for all of life. This is the mountain. Could we put that, that, that verse back up there, please? This is the mountaintop. That, 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 that life, this whole life, every generation of the planet is going to need this is, this is that, that mountain. This is that, that huge. This is, this is the everything. 
healing, no healing, testimony, no testimony, whatever the case may be, the son of man is going to be delivered in the hands of evil men and that they, and they, they will kill him. And when he is killed, like literally dead, all right, after three days, he will rise again. The resurrection, there is the, there, the Jesus, we are separated from God, all right? We, are, we have been cast into this valley, recognizing our need for God or wiping God away, whatever the case may be. And God paved the way back through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ who gave his life for your sin and my sin by dying on a cross, all right? Giving it all up, the perfect sacrifice, a sinless life, dying on the cross, buried three days and rising again to the glory of God, all right? For, for you and for me, praise the Lord, amen. That's the mountain that we bring with us no matter what is going on in the valley. That's our mountain. That's everybody's mountain. We all have all these different mountaintop experiences, but this is the mountain that he says is the greater reality. And it says in verse 45, they didn't understand the saying. It was concealed from them so that they might not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about what this is saying. Wait a second, what? Why was that? No, he was saying, look, there's this big thing that's going to happen, and you need to dig in. Don't be afraid to ask. You need to dig in, man. You need to recognize this. Are you digging in? Or is this Sunday morning experience enough for you? And if you answer yes to that last question, I'm going to tell you, no, it's not. No, it ain't, man. You need more. And so I'm going to tell you what I want you to do, I want you to go to the mountain every day. Go to the mountain every day, man. And you're like, I don't know, what do you mean? Do I have to go to the poor mountain? Do I find a No, man, I'm talking about finding those moments. You remember what I shared was the mountaintop, all right? The mountaintop was those moments that we experience undistracted closeness to God. There are moments of clarity in God's, in and of God's presence, all right? Go to the mountain every day, every morning to prepare you for the valley because you're going to hit the valley every day. So for three things, real quickly and real easily, all right? Number one, pursue mountaintops, that undistracted clarity with God. I can't, I can give you all kinds of recipes. You know, I get your coffee, go out certain time in the morning, get your Bible out, blah, blah, blah. I can go, okay. You know what? You have to do this. You have to pursue this because what does it look like for you to pursue God with your whole heart? I can't tell you what it looks like for you. I know what it looks like for me. What does it look like for you to pursue God with your whole heart, with every fire? The, the, the psalmist constantly said, with my whole soul, I will praise you. What does that look like for you? It is not installments of like little bits of God here and there. It is a lifetime pursuit. Pursue the mountaintops, number one, number two, trust Jesus in the valley. Bring him with you. You know, take the mountain with you. What do you feed more, the belief or the unbelief? I pursue a mountaintop every day, man, because I, I want to feed, I want to nourish my faith in God. 
because I know that the world is ready to try to just trash it. Pursue the mountaintops, trust Jesus in the valley, and finally ask about, know, and share the gospel of Christ. Never lose that. Never move beyond that. It is because of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we have hope. Amen. You may see and experience God and his glory on the mountaintop, but it's in the valley where he is glorified. Amen. Woo! Praise the Lord. Amen. (laughs) Amen.